Welcome to Co-op Mode. This is the official video game podcast of Secret Friends Unite. I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, joined by the producer extraordinaire, Mark Carabin. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. And today we're making room on the couch for player number three with a very <laughs> special guest. Joe Kennedy is our guest. His wife and my wife are, were actually in the same graduate program. So, and his wife volunteered him to say, oh yeah, my husband does this and he would love to be <laughs> on your podcast. Perfect. Hi, uh, how's it going? Yes, uh, we, we love having you. It's early there. Mark's in, in the far side of the country. I'm in the middle and you're in the, the, the West Coast. So we're all here. Hopefully you've had some caffeine to get you started up right. this morning. Fully represented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I got I got my uh, uh, Kojima cup right here. So all right. it's definitely ca- uh, caffeinated up. Excellent. Well, Joe uh, Joe Kennedy, uh, he's a uh, senior concept artist at Sony Santa Monica. Hopefully I got that right. Yep, yep. Um, and tell us uh, basically your geek origin story. How did you become the nerd or geek, whatever you prefer, you are today? Well, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the greatest era of cartoons in the 1980s and uh, had uh, a ton of different things. I've, uh, I, have a, I came from a family of artists and engineers, which is, like, is an awesome combination and kind of like um, sent me down the path that I kind of am, and I kind of bring both of those things together. Uh, but growing up on like He Man, Mass, Transformers, these are all things I still collect today. Uh, I have like a pretty big like Transformers masterpiece collection, um, and uh, I collect a lot of different toys and that sort of stuff. Even if you uh, see my desk at work, I have a, a giant um, one of the Mondo uh, Iron Giants next to a Metal Gear Rex. And so there's like a lot of things that I still kind of like collect. And I've been going to uh, San Diego Comic-Con now. This will this will kind of, for I think this will be my 24th year, consecutive oh, wow. year. Wow. Yeah. I remember as a kid, we were, our family happened to be in San Diego right as Comic-Con was starting. And they had the banners along the streets. Um, this is in the mid early nineties. And <laughs> I, I pointed at that sign. I was like, what is that? And my dad, like immediately turned around, like, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he was all like, if, if you just let it go, we'll, we'll go next year. And so I like, I literally waited a full year and, and then we went, we went as a family and it was amazing. And I've been going ever since. Wow. Oh, that is fantastic. I am also a Masterpiece uh, fan. Um, I've got a few, but I've still got my original Jetfire, which obviously was. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Awesome. Well, and um, you mentioned uh, basically coming from a family of engineers and artists. um, You are an artist and we just want to find out exactly, not exactly, but what, you know, how did you become a senior senior concept artist? Because that's obviously not something you can look up and say, this is how you do it. And this is, this is, it'll take (laughs) me four years to do it and I'll get the job I want. And and the rest is history. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, It, it was a bit of a journey. Um, I started off, uh, I graduated from a school that I actually now teach. I called Otis College of Art and Design. From there, um, I kind of bounced around the industry. The Most industries that kind of have like a local industry in the, in the LA area, you have a bit of everything from, you know, animation. Otis really focuses on like motion graphics, which is more like computer or sorry, like a... Uh, animation but it's more for like commercials and stuff so like and a lot of that industry kind of crosses over when you're kind of doing visual development 
So I started there, bounced around there, back and forth, um, worked on Skylanders uh, as a background mm-hmm. painter um, through uh, one of their outsourcing houses at Zoic. And then from there, eventually made my way to Sony Santa Monica um, to work on uh, uh, God of War, which was an amazing opportunity. Um, got hired early on um, and then just kind of helped uh, flush out that project uh, with their in games, they have like a prototype team to kind of like set the foundation for how things are going to go. So we kind of did that. Um, yeah, and then uh, just kind of worked my way through that and uh, been with Sony Santa Monica ever since. Oh, wow. Which uh, which God of War did you start with? Uh, 2018 one, so the, the previous okay. one. The newest one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah kind of amazing. It, a crazy experience to basically see all the stuff that uh, the studio had done in the past and then to take a risk on a third person action game style um, to base when they were like three quarter isometric for so long um, and to see where, how they kind of, you know, uh, moved into that genre and do what they do best. You know, they um, kind of uh, game designers are influenced from like all, all everything that's happening in the industry. Souls games, other types of puzzle games and stuff like that. And everybody kind of brings their favorite stuff. Um, And Sony Santa Monica is really good about making that gameplay first and trying to find a really good, um, fun style that kind of meshes with whatever's happening in the industry at the time. Very cool. Uh, And I was wondering, so within your role, do you work on a team of other concept artists do you have people uh that that work with you uh for mm-hmm. you um how, how does that type of team play out sure uh we have we, yeah we have actually a pretty large uh visual development team um it's primarily split into uh character and environment so everybody kind of has their spe- specialty um i'm more on the gameplay side so character side and in gameplay um a lot of what i do is storyboarding of sequences or narrative moments um, coming up with ideas and helping the designers pitch ideas. So a lot of the work I do is, is more focused on that as opposed to just the straight visual development of what the uh, art, you know, like the texture of something. There's other guys on the team that have that. Um, we also work with outsourcers and that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like collaborative. Um, a lot of times those artists are coming up with other ideas that may be outside the box. Uh, so we kind of like um, everybody brings different talents and different ideas uh, from kind of wherever they are in the world and w- whatever they're kind of working on um, to the to one part of our teams. You mentioned, uh, you know, you, you have a bunch of different people working on a bunch of different things, you know, outsourcing uh, internal teams, all that kind of stuff. So as as a concept artist and I suppose maybe as part of this describe exactly kind of what a concept artist is oh, where you sure. in on the, the, yeah, building, yeah. Uh, the building uh, thing, but also, um, you know, uh, do, do you feel a certain connection to the games that you're working on or as a concept artist, do you kind of, like you said, help portray early ideas or is it kind of helping all along through? Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Those become kind of uh, kind of depending on where you are and like the the type of concept artist, um, the type of concept art that you're making. Um, that does become uh, important where you may be developing really early ideas. And so what 
only a fraction of that may end up in the final game. You kind of have to be cool with that. Most concept art starts um, with the design. Uh, so, and that's not something we develop. That's something like a designer uh, will come up with a level designer or combat designer, a director of some kind, um, a narrative designer. They'll pitch those ideas and then we help flush them out. Um, for stuff like the gameplay, um, we take kind of, we synthesize a lot of what the narrative team will come up with. Like they'll come up with a sequence, like, you know, the character will be going through this area. And what they want to answer is just like, how did the gameplay work? How does it sync up with the narrative bits that have to be made? Um, and so we kind of like draw up ideas, layouts, um, different types of move sets that could kind of go with that. And that'll complement then what the actual um, clothing and weaponry will kind of be on top of that as well, uh, which may be another designer. So um, usually everybody starts with a design of some kind of brief, um, and then we're helping to visualize uh, those ideas uh, for somebody. You then have to be specific enough or, or clear enough with those designs that somebody can make it. Um, that's a that's a big part of it, especially if you're a character or um, uh, where you'll have to do like call-outs and stuff like that, turnarounds, so that the 3D artist can uh, manufacture that. If it's an environment artist, you have to work with uh, the kits that they make. So a lot of times the pieces and uh, a world will be made of like uh, kind of like Lego blocks of different kinds of stuff. And so you'll have to be aware of how those parts kind of fit together so that nothing is like completely custom. It'd be too, what we call expensive um, to make, not just money-wise, but on the game itself, like the RAM would just be completely taken out if everything was a right. custom piece because a lot of it has to be loaded all the time. So concept art has to be kind of mindful of the requirements of... Um, of the game itself and how, how it works. I remember um, prior to this, I worked in stop motion actually as a, as a concept artist. And you have a similar kind of requirement set there in that um, you have to be mindful of their shooting because what happens is that like an environment that may have different shots in it, that actually gets broken apart. And this will go to sound stage two, this will go to sound stage five. They're shooting, you know, the A side on this and the B side on this. And so they have to be mindful of like how that camera moves and the transitions happen there. So it doesn't break that illusion sometimes. And so like mm -hmm. a lot of times it's a similar requirement set that you kind of have to be mindful of what that final product is going to be, not just how it looks on screen, but how it's going to be made. As a concept artist, you help kind of facilitate that. Right so it's like your budget is not just from an expensive part. Also, it's basically, I guess, balancing what what everyone can do and bring to the table, and along with the hardware. So that's that's an interesting perspective because obviously yeah, your imagination so. can run wild and you could do whatever you want, yeah. but it doesn't mean it's it's feasible. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's a big concern. It's uh, it's one of those things. Um, we do have a stage where uh, we can go crazy. We usually call that high vis. That's usually early on in the project, and what we tend to do there is design stuff that has like a specific mood or feel. Um, the page, uh, the paintings are generally softer looking, meaning just low detail, but you get the kind of feel that you like may have for that whole entire sequence. Um, and so then from there, the directors will, t will kind of take a look at all these images and be like, Oh yes, this is exactly how I want to feel at this moment in the story. And so they'll be inspired by those things. So a concept artist can facilitate helping um, different parts of the production team visualize their ideas, depending on 
uh, where you are at the timeline and where you are in the production. You uh, you mentioned paintings. Uh, what is your usual toolbox? What uh, what kind of tools of the trade do you like, and is that common uh, throughout your part of the industry, or do you do you, does every artist kind of have their own little toolbox uh, that they prefer? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Photoshop is kind of a must. That's the everyone works primarily digital uh, with either uh, Wacom tablet or Cintiq. Um, Pretty much every artist that I know has some traditional background, um, either in like painting or um, pencil and ink work, uh, that sort of, uh, and that a lot of artists, including myself, we kind of like tend to even have side projects um, where we're still continuing with the traditional media because, you know, every day is digital work. (laughs) And then on top of that, depending on your um, field, you may have other software that you layer on top of it. So character artists have it uh, use software like ZBrush um, or 3D Code. You'll have environment artists that use uh, Maya heavily, Bodo, uh, Keyshot um, to get the foundation for their stuff. Uh, there's a lot of what we call photo bashing, which is based more like compositing techniques. So pulling different textures and stuff like that, stuff that would be just too hard to render Uh, And then you Mm. composite those things together and then paint on top of it um, to get that kind of base uh, coat. Uh, uh, The techniques of the industry have kind of like evolved um, and they're even, you know, they evolve very quickly. So as like new new software comes out, um, cheaper, faster stuff, 3D code is a great example of that. It's a very inexpensive uh, 3D software package that can get a lot of what the concept artists needs done fast you know and then a lot of guys are moving to uh, uh software like blender uh at the moment blender has a lot of amazing um techniques that uh like a grease pencil so that you can actually draw in 3d um, and it's open source so it's completely free i mean there's a lot of uh interesting techniques and tools that people are trying out but a bit of 3d um a heavy dose of digital painting and compositing. That's kind of the main tools of the trade. I know she didn't mention Mario Paint. <laughs> Dude, I'm almost sure there's somebody. I know there's some guys that actually paint in uh, PowerPoint. I'm not joking. Oh, so, well, paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's whatever whatever tool gets the job done uh, that, that tends to work. If you can match the speed and you can match the quality, you can use whatever you want. Um, I mean, yeah. On, on, on that note, we had a community question from uh, Edward Varnell uh, asked, would you ever design a game like Yoshi's Crafted World and actually get yarn or art supplies to help make characters and build models? Do you do any of that kind of physical stuff or do you work with people that will build things from clay or or like this one, you know, art supplies, yarn, crafting Oh, yeah, no, totally. Uh, that, okay, so one of the... Uh, one of the most important concepts, especially for uh, a game designer, and, and we're all developers, regardless of your concept artist or designer directly, uh, is play it in game. So you have to know how it feels in game, have to have that tactile feed- feedback. So um, getting a, a quick prototype up, that quick prototype may be something like yarn or something like that. For instance, when uh, we were, there's a, a part of the, um, sequence in, in the in God of War where 
one of the ogres gets really close up to Kratos' face. And when we were trying that out and playing around with different actors, we realized, wait a minute, why don't we just print out a giant uh, head, uh, attach it, and just play around with the sequence to see what that feels like. And we got a lot of uh, better results. Um, I have seen uh, our art director, his name is Raf Grissetti, amazing artist. And he is there sculpting in clay and working in ZBrush at the same time, uh, all the time. And it's just wow. amazing artworks. We, we tend to print out a lot of our characters just to get a good feel of what they look like um, and kind of understand kind of like what the uh, tactile feedback that you would, you would get from that. Because especially for God of War, you want to have that kind of realism built into it. So, yeah, most definitely... Right. Uh, understanding the materials that go into the game, what we're representing digitally, you want to have a good understanding of what that feels like in real life. So I Very think cool. what I'm hearing is next game will have a dream sequence where Kratos will be all claymation, kind of like yes. Gumby or uh, <laughs> one of those stop sessions. motion gonna... claymation. We know the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy can dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd love to see another, that. That'd be, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's funny. It makes me think of like the old Clay Fighters video game, things like that. Yeah. It's like just yeah, yeah. imagination limitless when you've got it. It can use different tools. But um, one question we've got from Luke Lore, he says, how much direction do you want or need in order to do your job successfully? And what do you mark as having done that job successfully? That's a great question. Um, so short answer that is, uh, that really depends on the leadership. So, and that can mean from your director or from your art director, depending or or your lead, um, the type of feedback that you get. Um, from my time in freelance, uh, those type of clients, because you're probably working more with the head of a department that doesn't have any art background, um, your feedback is probably limited. So a lot of times what uh, I suggest is getting to know your client, knowing what they like and what they dislike, getting on the same page, um, asking a lot of questions uh, up front so that you can um, try and tailor make the artwork for how they would like to see it, like to see it presented um, so that they can digest and uh, know what you're communicating to them. Um, from there, if you, if you have the benefit, like uh, for me, I'm really lucky. Um, I have an amazing lead. Uh, I have an awesome art director and I have a, and our game director just has a large visual library of all kinds of stuff. So the type of stuff that they hand down as far as like ideas and stuff like that, they can communicate those things pretty well um, and give us a lot of reference as far as like, you know, we're, we're talking about this sequence over here and this th over here. And it's like pulling from that moving. You're like, Whoa, I didn't even think of that idea. <laughs> and so then they can give you a lot of like um, push. They can actually, see where maybe a design isn't going in the right direction um, and kind of like help you get back on track. But knowing that client and having that trust, I think is like what's key uh, so that, that you can do that kind of stuff. And I think Mark, we have two other community questions, but both yeah. Joshua LeGrew and Corey Hudson, Derek want to talk about the actual inspiration uh, when you, when you are tasked with a concept. Mm -hmm. First part is where do you start? Do you do your research? Do you uh, take inspiration through source material in regards to Kratos with Norse mythology this time? Did, did that play into where you went and potentially maybe uh, weapons and uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the different beasts that are involved? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Design really is a deconstruction process. Um, you have to, 
the best way to do it is to basically um, take, go in, take a look at a lot of uh, source inspiration, probably whatever came to your gut initially. Go look at that artwork, put it together a mood board, and sketch ideas from what you see. Um, and sketch a lot more ideas really loosely of just um, different ideas. Um, so that at the end of the day, you can see a, a few pages of, of thumbnails and ideas, and you can extract out the best ones and start refining from there. Whatever's, um, you know, because you'll be, it's, I think if you go in with an open mind and really just try and understand that source material by sketching, um, you will be surprised at what comes out um, and that you can execute on. I think a lot of times um, I've seen students that I've worked with, they try and just go with the one or two ideas that they have, and they're going to bang their head all the way down as they're trying to just render something out. But that idea probably wasn't the strongest one for them to begin with, or their ability to execute on that idea would be that great. Um, so if you can have a bucket of ideas, you will see which ones are the best ones over time. Um, and then you can refine those. So it's starting small and just being open to ideas as you sketch them, I think is the key, the key aspect. And so we do a lot of research from a lot of different things. Um, in this instance for God of War, uh, there, there's no photography. So uh, we were looking at other inspiration, looking a lot of like artifacts, jewelry, um, weapons, and trying to pull out patterns and uh, rhythms out of those and seeing what those kind of feel like, you know, like what is this type of like ribbon on an edge of a, of a piece of metal look like and like, okay, well that kind of looks like this bit of architecture over here. Let's go research that and deconstruct them and see what they're, what the similarity similarities are and then try and incorporate both things to one to create a new item. And so it's kind of like a lot of like fusing together of similar ideas and your experiences play a heavy role in that. Um, if you're well-traveled, you'll have a lot wider just base knowledge to work with. Um, and so there'd be like a, a lot better opportunity for you to pull in different ideas that maybe someone else who is can only Google search um, maybe have a harder time with. Right. Do they, uh, you know, do, do they encourage you guys to go? Is there any kind of like work trips? You do field trips to uh, interesting places. Do they encourage and allow that kind of stuff? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not that they'll pay for it, but, uh, <laughs> um, it, so, uh, yeah, definitely leads do go take a look for us, especially with, the right. uh, Viking culture there. Um, not that I'm a lead by the way, but, uh, they will like a lot of us went to Iceland at different times, you know, like, you know, have a week off here and there, go to Iceland and just get a feel for the culture, go and travel around there. And then bring back as many photos and kind of document your experience um, so that other that you can share kind of like what it felt. And when you get a lot of different perspectives of some of these trips, you know, somebody goes to Japan or something like that, takes a lot of photos, shows us a kind of like what they learned from those experiences and what possibly they could bring back. That is really beneficial and that kind of thing. We're lucky in that um, we have a lot of great museums here. Uh, mm -hmm. So every now and then they'll have like traveling shows of like different armor. They had a samurai show that wasn't um, too far back. And so like you could go in and take a look and 
really get a feel for what those textures were, go in there and sketch and understand like what the materials, how they were made and try and build like an understanding of like, oh, I could probably pull some of that, you know, type of information uh, into a design or something like that. Cool. Very so cool. Well, all else fails, go to Epcot. Oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> all the countries you can visit and drink and eat. and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, one last question for me. Mark may have another one. Uh, if you had um, limitless choices in regards to maybe a property that you could work on and develop, what would it be? Oh, man. Uh, limitless choices. Well, I'll tell you what I'm into right now. Um, there, there might be some like 80s TV show that I could possibly want, but uh, I have been into a toy line called Diaclone recently. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's little sh- small little toys with little magnets on their feet. They're kind of like, oh uh, yeah, the little. Uh, they have a lot of the gimmicks that you would see in 80s toys, and they're just fantastic. Surprisingly, uh, Diaclone has never had a TV show or a movie uh with it it's only done little shorts that they throw on youtube um Mm. and they the gimmicks and the toys that they could have i think would be amazing um if i ever got a chance to work on something like that i I would i'd be happy very happy (laughs) i was gonna i thought you were gonna say like live action or stop action uh masterpiece uh well like uh, diaclone i think could be like a stop motion type of uh because a lot of their cart uh original commercials were stop motion oh really uh yeah 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 if you take a look at them uh diaclone you know the uh, all those most of those cars became the transformers um and when they did a reboot earlier i think five or six years ago and masterpiece went in one direction diaclone is just the other direction so you can kind of see where they merge um and it's just this really hyper uh stylized space odyssey type stuff and but every piece is like modular so like a large robot will de- uh like break down almost like voltron into like different components but each component also has little gimmicks as well so like you press a button something will spin wind up it'll snap open and like claw will come out and you're like dude this is amazing whoever's <laughs> designing these is just like a genius very cool awesome uh, based a little bit off of that and, and your love of toys and, and combining things, you mentioned Skylanders earlier. I have to ask, mm-hmm. did you have any character development stuff in Skylanders? I was a big Skylanders fan. Oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, just background. Uh, just background stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I did uh, backgrounds and kind of like uh, designing some of those. Um, I believe Zoev was a cinematics team. So we were okay. kind of working on the different aspects of uh, cinematics. Um, so exactly how it was implemented in the game, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot of times, uh, so we would have been considered an outsourced house, uh, for right. Activision. I think a lot of, uh, that type of game, um, they, they have a lot of different houses working on different aspects. So I had designed some, um, different sky boxes, uh, mm. different cloud sets and stuff like that. And worked on okay. a little bit of the, uh, effects for some of the characters. Very cool. My son is a and, huge fan uh, of Skylanders. <laughs> yeah, me too. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that that kind of leads into my last question before we move on to the next bit. Um, and I, I think I've, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but uh, mm-hmm. what are you know you you mentioned having a lot of input on some things and and other things where you don't even know how they kind of implemented. So. Um, mm-hmm. 
of of some of the games and stuff that you've you've worked on, what were some fun aspects to work on, and and what were you know uh, some some of the more fun things to get to see the final product? Um, that even if you didn't feel like a uh, you know super close connection to the final scene or fight or or the full product uh, in general, uh, what were some kind of things that you said, yeah, okay, I, I had some kind of direct influence on that, uh, and it was really fun to see the final product. Sure, yeah. Uh, one of the things early on that um, I got to work on uh, with God of War was kind of the original intro sequence. Um, hmm. That was uh, kind of a feat in itself because um, parts of it would become uh, what we showed at... Uh, E3 2016, which was an amazing opportunity to see that and the fan reaction around that, uh, uh, you know, as the game was announced. Um, I got lucky enough in that um, the directors and myself, we did a Comic-Con panel, actually, um, where we talked about some of the kind of linking of ideas from the beginning of the story all the way to the end. Um, And... Uh, I got to um, visualize kind of a snapshot of the of the game at the beginning of the project, where how Kratos would be um, uh, acting with uh, Atreus, his son, and like that relationship and how that would unfold, how they uh, uh, would go on and and hunt, and the lessons that they would learn together. Um, that was all kind of like visualized there in the beginning of that game, and. I expected that to just be kind of like an interesting story for the team to kind of understand the character as a whole. And that'd be great. But they ended up using that sequence all the way to the beginning of the game. And that became exactly how everybody learns how to play the game. That an intro sequence became uh, kind of the tutorial of how that was. Um, So it was amazing to kind of see that all the way through. Then there's, things that happen in those sequences, father and son kind of like moments where um, you seed information. And then those little moments are echoed out throughout the entire game. Uh, Like the way they handle the knives and stuff like that, uh, what that memento kind of meant to the characters. Um, So to see that kind of stuff, like not only did the sequence I worked on um, stay all the way to the final game, but then to see those uh, threads echoed out and be kind of like influential to other parts of other sequences. So that was probably like a highlight of, you know, my work on that game for myself is to see that like, not only did we capture how the look and feel of the game was going to be, but we actually influenced the rest of the game in the process. Wow. That's amazing. It's a, it's a really rare experience. Um, Yeah. uh, But I, I just happened to be, there at the right time uh, to work on something like that and uh had a lot of great creative direction from uh you know different different areas to kind of do that that's incredible well, well thank you from all of us of the awesome <laughs> game that you had a hand in it's, it was yeah. uh my game of the year that year i have a 14 year old son i've told this before but basically it's kind of a great exploration of relationships through great yeah. storytelling and through the action so blending those two together it's fabulous I have this one story. Uh, this happened last year. Uh, so I did Comic-Con for the first time last year. Uh, both uh, Jess and myself, we both had Comic-Con 
uh, tables, which was amazing. I have no idea why Comic-Con put us on opposite sides of the hall. <laughs> Whatever. But um, I had a, an uh, illustration of Kratos on my, and my artist alley table. And uh, um, probably a lady in her like mid-50s, somewhere around there, came up with her son and like pointed at it and says, like, you have to play this. And he was all like kind of embarrassed that she was like calling him out. She's like, I love this game, you know. Uh, and I was like, oh, awesome. I'm glad you really had a great time. You know, she's talking about her experiences, uh, sequences that she really liked. And then she makes a comment that she, as she points to her son, she's like, yeah, you, you don't understand how good these games are, that they're making these games for you. And then I stopped her and I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Corey made that game for you as a parent. Mm. When he was writing the game and he was thinking of those stories, he was thinking specifically of the you know, of a parent who would be playing this game and the experiences they would have to bring that the children may not understand, but the parent definitely understands. She immediately started crying. I'm not joking. Like right in front of me, wow. I got up, I gave her a hug. I was like, dude, that's amazing. I'm all <laughs> definitely reach out to Corey, like on Twitter or something, let him know that, uh, how you feel, because that's exactly why, you know, a game like that was made. You know, I think that, um, a lot of times what's great about these type of stories um, and the type of art, like this is definitely artwork, right? Um, mm. These are as, as works of art, uh, indie games and AAA games right now can be a much more personal story than just the 10th uh, iteration of, of some franchise. Uh, so a lot of times these um, creatives are bringing um, a lot more personal experiences to these stories that everybody can empathize with and stuff like that. And I think that's what making what's making them even uh, greater. You see this a lot in the indie development scene, you know, where somebody brings a really personal experience and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're really lucky to see some of these stories come out. One of the things actually at Sony that's really awesome uh, that we do is we do a lot of the outreach. Uh, and one of the things that I do is I teach as well. So if anyone has any questions on the industry, how do I get in? Can you take a look at a portfolio? Uh, I can't guarantee that I'll look at everybody, but if you shoot me a, a DM on uh, uh, Twitter, that's probably the best place to find me, Joe M. Kennedy there. I'll take a look and I can answer questions. There's a ton of misinformation as far as like, how do I get in the industry? What do I need to be doing? And that sort of stuff. And probably it doesn't take much for someone to say like, just focus on this, just focus on that. Yeah, this is working for you. Go in here, maybe apply to these com companies, that sort of stuff. And so... At Sony, we like to, as we get correspondence from like all kinds of places, um, we uh, certain artists will kind of get tasked with answering these questions for these people and that sort of stuff. We're not just like kind of like a closed door. We definitely are part of the community and stuff like that. And everybody at our studio is kind of the same way. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to message me. Um, and yeah, we can try and help out. Oh, that's yeah. fabulous. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Joe. Now that we put you through the ringer, now we're going to let you actually take a breath and let us know what you've been playing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just finished Katana Zero. I had a friend of mine recommend that game. Super fun. I love the Switch. Uh, uh, I love all the different games that I've been playing on there. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Mega Man collection. I've been playing that, so that uh, Street Fighter is a really big deal at work. Uh, so a lot of the designers, they play that. Um, most recently, we kind of hopped back into Street Fighter Alpha 3. So there's kind of like a core group of, of that. 
Uh, and some of the best players, I would say, in the uh, fighting game community tend to work at like studios like this. Uh, they bring their knowledge to that. So it's fun to just get my ass kicked on a regular <laughs> basis by these guys. Try and learn a few things here and there. Um, and so that's been a real fun to, to, I think that's my, my main game right now is alpha three. We probably play at least twice a day, lunchtime and after work for like, you know, a little bit of just like, let's get in a couple rounds and stuff like that. And I've been trying out some new moves. I've been trying out some new strategies. Let's try that. Um, yeah, I want to hop back into, uh, Warcraft. Uh, I think the, then when the new remaster gets released i don't think if it just did but i'm definitely it's coming soon i think yeah yeah that that one i will be sinking a ton of time into i i have uh, a convention coming up wondercon and i'm like oh man i i need to finish all that stuff first before i hop into <laughs> warcraft um because then then i'll be gone for months <laughs> awesome i was just going to ask you about the street fighter uh alpha is that on like the switch collection that just came out uh, it is. It is on a uh, Switch collection. We actually have an arcade cabinet, ah. uh, so that's we have an Astra in house. Um, and then literally, you're like, I wonder, do we have this game? Like, literally, someone has the board of whatever game you want somewhere in the studio, so they'll just like go in and plug it and plug it in. Like, uh, everyone has like massive collections of games of of that sort. Um, so, one of the designers had a copy of Street Fighter Alpha Three. Uh, and he brought that in and we, we connected that up. Uh, so, and they are all, most of those guys, I wouldn't say that I'm this sensitive. Like I can't necessarily tell the difference between how it run the lag that you'd see on an LCD screen versus a CRT, but these guys can tell down to the millisecond wow. of like just right. a f- fractional, you're like, my God, how did the character get from here to there? It's cause they know they're like just pop up real fast and because they know the timing, all that muscle memory is built in. Crazy. So they, they have to be playing with the original material. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So then you go and you get your ass kicked there and you're all frustrated <laughs> and you go design a really cool piece of angry concept art for the next God of War game. So this is, this is all the cycle of, <laughs> of life right here. You know, they, they try and keep you motivated. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mark, what have you been playing? Yes, sir. I just started Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I found it on sale yesterday, and I said, you know what? It's been years since I picked up a Call of Duty game. And uh, I've heard good things about this one. It's cross-play, so once I get into the multiplayer, I can play with my friends across any platform. I have it on Xbox One X. And uh, I think you had talked about this on the last episode or something, of the massive patches, or maybe we just talked about that. Uh, Only 86 gigabytes. It's, it's very like small. <laughs> well, my, my patch was 101 gigabytes, which was is that a Canadian conversion or is that actually the, the real size? Yeah, might, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if that was Canadian conversion or, or 4K assets or something for the uh, the One X. But uh, anyway, I just kind of left that go. But I thought I had enough room on my hard drive. I didn't. So uh, when I came home from running a bunch of errands, it was like pause the download and I had to clear off a bunch of space obviously because it's it's a massive game uh so finally got to play the story mode for maybe two hours last night uh really really cool very uh cinematic action 
you know, regular Call of Duty stuff stepped up to the next level. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really curious to see where the story goes. And, and uh, the the acting is fantastic. The motion capture is fantastic. There's there's one of the same actresses from uh, from Jedi Fallen Order. So it was cool to see her in two, uh, two games and just be like, oh, she and and well, like, that's right. The, like uh, the, 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 the female general. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, you know, it was, it was really cool to be, um, it, 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 I like being at that stage in games where you can pick out actors and actresses and be like, Oh, I've seen them in a game before I've seen them on TV before. And they look so, uh, so accurate to, to real life uh, versus the character. So it's, it's kind of cool. Um, so I'll be picking at that game a little bit more. And I've also been picking at totally accurate battle simulator, which is on game pass, so ridiculous uh you can basically set up your little battles and there is a campaign mode that i've been going through but you could say uh can 10 vikings take out 20 ninjas or how many cavemen would it take to defeat one knight in shining armor uh and it's it's all very ridiculous and the movement and animations are uh, insane in the best possible way and i'm i'm just having a blast with this very very stupid but fun totally accurate battle simulator and uh, it's in beta right now so there is a warning of like you know you may find some weird glitches and i have run into a few um weird little things where i've had to restart a simulation because i couldn't possibly finish it because characters will get stuck inside a rock or some weird shit like that but uh if you have Game Pass, it is a hundred percent worth a laugh to just download this one and just set up the most ridiculous battles. And uh, I, I have noticed a little bit of slowdown, but it does not take away from the enjoyment of seeing uh, pirates versus ninjas in real life on a battlefield and just put as many of them on the battlefield as you can and just watch the mayhem and hilarity uh, follow. It's great. Yeah, my son had been playing that on PC, and he makes my PC almost die because of how many people he puts on there. It's, it's, just, it's just a blast. It's goofy physics, everything. It's like Goat Simulator crossed with an yeah. actual like uh, battle simulator. Weird. It's 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 really yeah. Cool. It's it's super um, super wonky and. Uh, the, yeah, the fight animations are all like the, it's it's uh, the ragdoll physics. <laughs> the game, it's it's fantastic. It's super fun. It's so dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's from so a dumb. and from a concept artist point of view, you'd be like, it might make you cringe when you see the actual <laughs> oh, yeah. characters, what they look like. <laughs> but it also might make you laugh. Like some of them are just so stupid. Like there there are like the the farmer um, With the kind of things like. The, the, yeah, the, and there is one that just kind of covers himself in hay, like a hay. Is it like a walking hay bale? <laughs> and you can shoot him with a couple of arrows, and he'll just keep going because he's a walking hay bale. And it's just so friggin' ridiculous. Like it, it is. Um, it, I don't know. It's it's quite enjoyable. I, I get a kick out of it every time I start it up. Wow, that's why video games are great. You can get all of these crazy. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. From a three D uh, printed goblin head or troll right. face or whatever, like right up in your face to uh, a googly eyed <laughs> battle simulator. It's all video games, right? It's, it's love it. Yeah. Uh, um, what, what are you, Todd? You've been playing some cool stuff, right? I've been d- big into quest. Uh, we actually had uh, Oculus Ooh. quest. We had a friend and his son come over last weekend and it was hilarious because you're not supposed to let little kids play with it, but his his dad said he could do it, so he tried it. 
he had so much fun just playing with kind of like the intro piece where you can dance with a robot, you can throw uh, uh, paper airplanes. So he just had a good time with that and he didn't want to stop. So, but it, then his dad got over and got him to play Beat Saber. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah. A video of him. He loved that and he got so excited and he's tall, taller, much taller than I am. We have a fan in our, our um in our basement and he almost broke the fan because he got so excited and lifted it up. <laughs> tell what he was doing. Oh, it was it was fantastic. So we have not had a uh, a quest tragedy yet, but wow, it's gonna happen eventually. Somebody's gonna fall, something's the cat's gonna run into us as we're playing. It's gonna happen. But um uh, I showed him Vader Immortal and Vader Immortal mm. is fantastic. I mean mm-hmm. It's amazing what they did with it. Um, it. The game just starts you off. You're in a spaceship. You are actually in a spaceship. You look around. There's your there's your droid. Um, you can explore the spaceship. You can pick up objects. We can put on pick up a helmet, put it on, and it, you can see it around you. It's very cool. Um, and then they don't. They cut to the chase really quick, and they get you in front of stormtroopers and Darth Vader. And it is ridiculous. And to see Darth Vader two feet away from you and looking up at him. It's phenomenal. It's really great. The quest has its limitations. I'll give it that. But it is amazing what they do with it. And the biggest thing that I thought was so cool about it is um, I never thought climbing a ladder would feel that interesting. But it's very cool. Basically, you're essentially putting your hands out and the controllers on the quest essentially let you use all your fingers, like squeezing and things like that. And you can see your hands. So when you're climbing up a ladder, you grab out, grab on, you have to grab on, and then you pull, and then you basically pull down and pull down and pull down. And then you have to make sure when you want to get back into a space that's safe. You actually have to pull yourself forward to make sure there's a flooring underneath you. Wow. That sounds super rad. That's crazy. It's awesome. It's That's fantastic. Uh, the good news is it's back in stock now, so you can definitely get oh, it. Oh, nice. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and obviously, if you have a gaming PC, you can hook up uh, it to Oculus Link, which I did try. It works on mine, so that's cool. So I'll get to try Rift Games, which is awesome. Um, the other game I played was Journey of the Gods, and this is essentially a Zelda game uh, in uh, uh, VR. You have a sword and a shield, and then you can swap it out very quickly to a crossbow. And the cool thing about the crossbow is... You actually have to pull back with your other hand to load another bolt in it. And sometimes you forget you have to actually do it. But it's neat. Mm -hmm. It handles movement like with teleportation. Or you can actually walk. And to make sure you don't throw up when you're walking in uh, Quest. Because you're actually... You can walk personally or you can move the stick forward. Um, they basically bring in the viewpoint. And they turn most of the screen black and they make your viewpoint hmm. very centered so you can focus on something. Because I guess that's part of oh, uh, cool. how you yeah. get motion sickness is not knowing where you are in space. Kind of like when you're, you're riding in a car, you look inside, then you look outside and you're like, oh, I don't feel so good. So, um, yeah. yeah I, was, I was reading a study about uh, motion sickness and that like VR kind of stuff. And uh, one of the theories is if your body detects that you're seeing motion, but your body's not feeling the exact same motion, oh, yeah, yeah. it will, uh, it will basically tell your, your brain saying, no, I, I think you're poisoned. You should probably throw up right now. <laughs> You've ingested something that's, that's, uh, making you, you know, uh, dizzy. Or the high frame rate body. really does help with that. Um, so mm-hmm. like the faster, the refresh rate on the, on mm-hmm. the monitor itself for that. But, um, actually Anyone who ever does get motion sickness, a quick little trick to try out is if you have a chair or something that you can put your hand on. Oh. For some reason, uh, think of it like as if you're on a boat and the boat is rocking back and forth. A lot of times, if you have the ability to just put your hand on the handle of the wheel of the boat, the motion sickness mm-hmm. will go away because your body's like, I'm back in control. 
Uh, so it's a little trick. It doesn't work for everybody, but sometimes if you can like put your hand down on something, uh, and then uh, it may uh, it may go away for like a moment. Not like a controller because the controller is still kind of like floating. Oh, yeah, it has to be something right. like kind of something anchored. Exactly, exactly. Uh, when I was playing uh, Ace Combat or something, uh, oh, that wow. was definitely something like time to put my hand down. <laughs> Too many barrel rolls. Yeah, I uh, yep. I noticed that the only time I've ever experienced any kind of motion sickness was actually in Florida. Um, the the Harry Potter ride in in Universal. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one where you go through Hogwarts. Oh yeah. Um, so I I can do roller coaster. I started my day off. I had breakfast and ended the Hulk coaster and came off with a big oh, wow. Smile on the now, well, that is a roller coaster. Uh, yeah, right. And uh, but but this that ride and I don't know. I think it's something where. Again, my body was was seeing something on the screen and it wasn't perfectly matching or something. Yeah. And I had to look at my feet and kind of like look down and see because um, you can kind of spy on the mechanics of the ride, like cool. which way you're moving. And I did notice that the ride was moving sideways, but the motion was going forward. So I think my body picked up on that. And uh, but, yeah, there's weird little tricks. I, I felt queasy after that ride. But like I said, I can I had the same experience on the Star Wars ride. Oh wow! The Millennium okay. Falcon yeah. ride at Disneyland. Right. I had the exact same experience. They split it up, and so that your your party's in like four, and there's two mm-hmm. pilots in the front. One pilot controls left and right. One controls up and down. And I think it's because, like, you're not in full control or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, complete disconnect. I almost like puked <laughs> after that ride. I'm like, no, no, oh. I can't do it. We're literally going to crash that- this Millennium Falcon. We're going down. <laughs> <laughs> that ride didn't bother me at all. I had the um, the, yeah, the pilot know. seat on the right side where you pull down the um, I think it was up and down and you pull down the the uh, the hyperspace. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the one on the uh, left side. Okay, yeah. No, I I didn't notice it on that. I nothing on like Avatar or or uh, Star Tours mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, it was just yeah. Star Tours doesn't bother me for some reason. Yeah, weird. Very strange. That the teacups, those those will get you because all that spinning <laughs> every time. <laughs> the spinning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, one one hot tip: they do sell C bands, which are basically little uh, bra- uh, mm. wristbands you wear uh, that I actually wore when I went to Disney World, and it worked well for me. Um, I loaned those out to everybody, and it seemed like that helped them a lot, which was good. Oh so, yeah, it's a great idea. Odd, it's a cheap solution. Uh, get, getting back to a little bit of Beat Saber, is your son the Matrix? Because I saw that video you posted on Facebook today, and <laughs> I don't understand anything that he did. Is he just when when he's moving? Can you see his limbs, or is it something that's just this like torso in a blur? What the hell? Oh, it's funny because he's when, incredible. He originally showed me Beat Saber videos of people that are like, that's not even real. It's too fast. Nobody can move their hands. And then he does the same thing. And I'm like, I guess this is real. Then I looked over and uh, <laughs> I saw him as he was doing it because they, they, you can project it through Chromecast. And I saw him like, I don't even know how he does that. But he's like, Dad, I want to share this on Facebook. I'm like, OK. But I want people to know that is not me because I will. I'm not even close to that level. But, yeah, it's amazing. He's a freaking Jedi. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I do not want to go up against that guy in a lightsaber battle. Like, he is a Jedi ninja. It's incredible. So, yeah, I've been yeah, replaced. My my hat tip or something. Like, wow. Holy crap. I was watching that video. My jaw was just dropped. It was like, I don't even understand. Like, the notes are just, like, flying at his face. And he's just chopping them up like crazy. It's just, uh, it's incredible, man. 
Yeah. Also, my, uh, really Mark, I've, already, I've peaked. I peaked a long time ago. <laughs> He's asked <laughs> me, kids, they'll replace you. Yeah. Video games. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm humbled by him a lot. Yeah. 14 year olds are far better than 44 year olds, but oh well. Um, yeah. So isn't that the Star Wars quote? Uh, uh, the last Jedi. I think so. Yeah. Uh, we now transition to news. Each of us got a news story. Joe, tell us about the story about a really cool concept on controllers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think this popped up uh, a little while ago. Um, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he, he decided to try out and mod a Wavebird uh, into making it Joy-Cons for the Switch uh, and go through the process of basically uh, building the electronics, cutting it, and designing it so that it had both the functionality of the, of the original um GameCube controller and uh, all the functionality for uh, the Switch controller, and it, it's amazing. It literally, I, I I hope I get a chance at some point to get to try something like that. And I really wish that Nintendo would uh, make more options. I remember seeing some uh, fun. Uh, I think it probably was more like fan concept art of like uh someone making like a fishing pole with a with a switch controller and like a lot of stuff that a lot of the ideas that you kind of see with the toy cons um mm. with the different cardboard uh parts that they could have but i think they could just do so much more uh with um that accessory and stuff like that of being able to slot on play the controller pull it off and try it out as you know how versatile and modular it is um so i'm i'm really hopeful that nintendo will kind of see something uh, what they're doing with like the uh, GameCube Wavebird and how that kind of came about uh, and uh, make something like that. Uh, whether or not Nintendo does it, I don't know. But um, like, uh, I think the tactileness of the controller is a huge part of like how we enjoy our games. I mean, I have a thing like at least four different arcade sticks, uh, multiple gun cons. I still have my Rock Band set. These are like all the plastic you know, stuff that I think a lot of people think they just want to get that one machine and just play everything on the, on a Bluetooth mm. PS4 or Xbox one controller. No, no, I think part of the experience is actually using like the original hardware or something that is, is akin to it, as close as you can. Um, and, uh, I think the switch really would offer something like that as far as like being that, that system that could easily, um, bring in a lot of those, uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, so? Okay, top. I don't know what top two or three designs uh, that like special controllers that you'd like to see Nintendo come up with uh, as attachments. So definitely GameCube controllers is is like like in the top. Uh, some type of like a gun attachment I would love to see Ooh. like a gun con like playing mm-hmm. Time Crisis or something Ooh, like that. Yeah, with the action Dude. with the action where it only moves. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then. Because I again big arcade guy, uh, a virtual on dual stick or something like that, so that like maybe you could have like little clips on the side and you could somehow maneuver like the uh, you wouldn't even need to have like full on sticks that uh, like like an arcade stick where you have like this. It's possible that you might have like some type of like thumb stick controller or something like that kind of like rotates and stuff like that that's also built onto the side of a gun con. So that you get that kind of like feeling of being able to pull and push and rotate as you're moving uh, or like twist uh, action, something like that. 
just some interesting designs that could be uh, played around with with the gun cons or with the uh, uh, joy cons. Very cool. Yeah, I have the uh, Switch Pad Pro. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Uh, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From uh, and from Hori, I love it. It's great. It yeah. makes makes me feel like I'm using like a real Pro controller on my Switch portably, and it's changed how I play in the Switch. Oh, nice. I have the Apito uh, arcade stick. And oh, yeah. super cheap. It is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It works a uh, PC and Mac as well. I love the 8-bit stuff, man. They they do their their Super Nintendo controller is is fantastic. I, oh yeah, that's, that's great. So you see their micro controller the, mark that they made? Yeah. Yeah, that's a interesting little design. Um with the the two deep pads on either side. It's a uh, it's a weird yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's it's smaller than a Joy-Con. It's so it's so tiny and it's got oh, mm-hmm. such a weird <laughs> such a weird design. Oh well, I love yeah. that. Yeah, we need more wacky uh, designs like we did back in the day with like you said we had gun cons with PlayStation where you could play light guns uh, games. Yeah, light gun games need to come back in a big way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. very much so. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we've talked about that too. Like even some VR stuff I think with like uh uh some gun con different attachments or something like that could be uh, um, interesting, especially with Nintendo. And if they actually went full tilt into kind of like their VR thing and built like a headset that the thing like locked into beyond just what we saw with the toy cons, I think that could be really, really interesting. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know if the resolution of that screen is there, but I think if they do a switch pro eventually, maybe there's something they could do with that. That could be really amazing. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask if you if you tried the uh, the Switch uh, Labo VR um, gun because that was I found that was like really satisfying to like cock the the yeah, action yeah, and yeah, pull yeah, back yeah, the yeah. trigger and everything. Totally. Like, it was a satisfying build, but like the gameplay wasn't quite there. But uh, you know, it was fun for a little bit. But I found like really satisfying as far as like an action on the gun kind of thing and like the feeling. But if they, I think if they brought that into a bit of a better peripheral and had some real kind of games to it. Like that would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Very, um, that kind of leads into a next story and we missed this one on our last episode, but we wanted to bring it back a little bit. Uh, the Alienware UFO concept. Uh, I know this has been talked about a little bit more. Uh, how's everyone feeling as far as this being a switch killer, uh, do you think Nintendo should be worried or do you think this is even a step beyond what they would do if if we did see a Switch Pro and, and you, you know, you just mentioned that uh, with a, a potentially better screen and, and you know, upgraded resolutions or, or speed or whatever. Uh, do you think that would still kind of come under what we're seeing with the Alienware? Like, I, I don't know about you guys. When I see this Alienware concept, this has to be like topping a thousand dollars for this, this thing, (laughs) just with the the, the tech behind it, like to, to get a tablet that's running that. And we talked to last, uh, I think it was last episode about, um, Fortnite for iPad pro getting 120 frames per second. iPad pro is a thousand dollar machine, you know, and, and, uh, the Alienware as a tablet, you have to think would kind of fall into that. And plus the controllers and everything else. Um, so first off, I guess, what do you guys think about the Alienware concept, and do you think Nintendo has anything to worry about there? Uh, let's, Joe, let's start with you. Sure, yeah. Uh, I actually think it's really interesting. Um, I like the idea uh, that people are using that kind of like modular system and stuff like that for controllers with the tablets. 
Um, I think uh, ever since an Engage came out, I've always wanted like a portable PC, like uh, and that idea, but no one's really really figured it out until like kind of Nintendo took took his hand on it. So uh, I think as a concept, I think it's really interesting. The design itself. Not necessarily my cup of tea uh, in the <laughs> controller. I don't know about those ergonomics on the controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what Nintendo, that's a weird thing about Nintendo. It's never worried about anybody. Uh, they mm-hmm. tend to um, kind of like pioneer their own road. Um, and especially when you see something like the Switch Lite come out, mm-hmm. uh, where they take out a lot of the functionality just to make another, you know, a Vita 2 or pretty much (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh and so you kind of wonder it's like wait a minute where is nintendo kind of like swerving on on these type of things and i Mm. i think that's the thing with the nintendo with the wii and the wii u some of the gimmicks that i saw there i wasn't really interested in um like the golfing and stuff like that like "Eh, whatever i love the tennis that was fun Mm. uh but uh it wasn't necessarily into the kind of experiences that that had but with the gun cons i'm totally in the idea to pull them off play with them have the multiple buttons and stuff like that you can have two player on the fly it's like the best couch co-op just immediately i think that's really cool i think that that's super fun idea then to be able to take an alienware out and you know we all saw those commercials when they first come out like who's gonna do that like no i'm totally gonna do that i'm totally gonna bring my pc (laughs) with me like set yeah. it down. Now we're playing Metal Slug right now. Like you know that kind of fun stuff. Uh, so just kind of, I think that's such a great idea, and to see what people kind of come up with it. You know, I love the form factor overall. So uh, that thing will probably turn nuclear after a few minutes. Like just the heat on the back of that thing, and be mm-hmm. louder than like a car engine. But uh, <laughs> I think as uh, they get to like version two, version three, I hopefully. Uh, you're going to start to see some really interesting. They need to hire somebody to come up with some better ergonomics, though. I oh like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, sure. It's very <laughs> angular. Sharp objects yeah. touching my hand, like that. I think Tesla way. created this. This is the cyber yeah, right. console. <laughs> cyber truck console. Yeah. It's made out of one piece of aluminum. Won't get hot at all. Yeah. Do you, uh, exactly. Do you guys think the 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 final product will look anything like this? This was just the concept, right? And do you think they just I did that so? I think they'll dumb it down a lot. I I hope so. Yeah. I hope they they do dumb it down a little bit and just kind of figure out, like do some more testing of, of that. Um, that company tends to go a little extreme on their designs over time. I've seen, I've seen some of their PCs. So maybe they will kind of stay in that, uh, kind of like vein to a degree, but I hope they do like, kind of like take up the ergonomics, uh, uh, like, the whole uh, esports gaming scene with the with the peripherals that they use, like man, I don't know how you like use this on a daily basis. It's like would mm. twist my hand in kind of a weird way. When I look at it though, I like the fact that it looks more like a traditional control, at least with the offset buttons, yeah, yeah, the yeah, offset yeah, yeah. sticks. That's to me, that's exactly and and we talk about ergonomics. To me, the Joy Cons are not ergonomic at all because everything's like oh. that, like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that at all. I want a traditional. That's why I say that for me, that switch is why I don't play it as often. I don't feel like it's mm-hmm. it's the best way to play video games is with that those Joy Cons. So I play docked or with the the SwitchPad Pro, which I think yeah, is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. What Nintendo is, has been playing with, though, is really dated hardware. So essentially, this thing says docked 1200p. That's not that fantastic. It's not 4K. It's not 1440p. A little bit above that. Because essentially, the uh, the old Tegra X1 processor is mm-hmm. like eight years old. So we're not talking yeah, about that yeah. tech. 
versus what what NVIDIA or somebody else from mobile chipset could do now, probably for not that much more expensive, could get you to 1200p, could probably do these things because things get more efficient, things like that. So I think they, they could get to this level of play, reduce a lot of the, ah, I can play Witcher on the Switch, but I have to put up with X, Y, and Z, and it's a lesser right. experience. I've always said, right. Just because it's more convenient doesn't mean it's a great way to play. So that's that's why I play. So I think this is I think people want to play games in other places, and it shouldn't just be Nintendo's version of it. Now, if people say they could get sued, I don't know. There's probably something their lawyers have said. If you do this, you can skirt that issue. But I, I like the idea. I don't know if they'll even execute it. This might just be to to, to launch a line of uh, tablets with potentially uh, you know joy joy uh, con- controller support. Actually. Yeah. 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 Do you guys think any of this has any relevance in the next couple of years with Stadia, xCloud? The xCloud tests, from what I'm hearing, are going really, really well. Uh, do you think this concept even bears any like thought? <laughs> you know, like is the Switch just kind of perfect thing at the perfect time? And and the next bit is uh, you know maybe some companies coming up with uh, and I think we've seen this um, controllers that you can kind of dock your phone into or a tablet or something um, that it's just going to be excellent. It doesn't matter how powerful the tablet or the the f- device you have is as long as it can handle that stream. Um, you know, do you think by the time Alienware kind of comes up with this concept, it's kind of a moot point anyway? I think that you're going to find um, it'll be a bit of a mix of both, especially with 5G coming down the road, combining that with some like local horsepower to kind of like really run and make sure that the uh, stream is, is uh, uh, perfect. Um, being able then to move and play portably, I think this just offers like a really the merging of those two technologies is going to be really interesting see where those go in the next like three to five years um, and see some of the form factors that kind of come from that. I think we are right on the verge of something really, really interesting because both those uh, kind of bits of um, pushes in the, in technology offer for portability and for uh, slim downness. So it's like, we won't necessarily have to have uh, massive PCs underneath our desk taking up space um it it might be a bit of a mix of both where you can have smaller hardware more specialized really good uh uh, onboard graphics and stuff like that really good um 5g radios and then a lot of the horsepower is on the client side like for instance i don't think i've bought a physical game in at least five years like everything i have is either digital um i have not bought a single physical game for my switch uh, they've only been from the uh, East shop. So yeah. um, and going to complete subscription services, I've already done that with Apple Music. I've already done that with Netflix and Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. If, if that ends up being how game subscriptions go too, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, granted, the patches will be ridiculous, but, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. everyone just turns into this kind of like rolling model. Um, but... Uh, uh, I think I'm really excited to see where that types of, type of thing goes and how that's going to change the gaming industry a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'd rather sure. put my money into the best controller I can afford and not worry yeah. about the box the game plays on because even Nintendo they they tend to do some really cool things. 
but the majority of the things that they bring to the table, like with the Joy-Con, they don't use. It's like it's a nice mm-hmm. thing, but ultimately people want to just play their games on the go. That was the big innovation. Yeah. So to me, that taking your games on the go, once again, could do this, because I mean, that IR camera and the, 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 the Joy-Con, I mean, beyond 1-2 Switch and maybe uh, Labo VR, which now with the Switch Lite, essentially has made a lot of those features probably not going to be able to be utilized so uh, just a, the best control you can get and if somebody can come up with new uses for a controller or new iterations that make it even better i think the newest iteration is right. those buttons underneath like on the elite um and even mm-hmm. playstation brought just brought out their attachment for 30 dollars mm-hmm. which adds those bottom uh trigger yeah, buttons yeah, yeah, which yeah. Yeah. i i was actually gonna buy a, a scuffed pro controller uh but then i saw the uh the uh, elite buttons for the um dualshock come out and i immediately put in for one of those i'm really excited cool. to actually try that out and see where because it, i don't know if you've ever had um if you guys have ever played especially when i was really big into call of duty uh um i had one of those avenger clamshells do you know what that is oh yeah Basi- yeah such like, a weird device <laughs> such a weird device but you could have like a hair trigger basically it was uh it had buttons on the bottom but they were attached through like rubber bands to like the buttons on the top and it's just like this weird spider controller over a weird controller but you could adjust the tension so you all you had to do was just like a, a like a stringing uh like strumming mm. a string and you could literally just pop off shots really fast you could reload you could and so you could keep keep all your fingers on the, the dual sticks i think that's something that um i've always liked about controllers and more of the modern stuff is moving away from uh, a lot of the core function away from the four buttons on the right and so that I can keep my you know thumbs on both sticks at all times mm-hmm. and then having more of the controllers maybe on the bottom I think that's underutilized so as as like right. new more controllers kind of come out and do that I think you're starting to see that in VR as well where you're having like controllers that want to keep your fingers in the same spot and then it's more about like the movement that you do with those fingers as opposed to having to like Stop the camera, press the button. Like you know, nobody even uses the uh, directional pads anymore. Those are all for like menu mm. selections at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. a game that's ever like had me move with that since. So it's yeah. like thinking new paradigms of like how can we do that. I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, that's fantastic. For sure. Well, I think that takes us out of the news, and that leads us to the end of the show. But Joe, before we go, tell people how they can find you on the interwebs. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, if you search Joe M. Kennedy, you'll find pretty much me on everything. I'm on ArtStation. That's where I'm uh, uh, ArtStation.com. That, uh, I think it's ArtStation.com forward slash Joe M. Kennedy is where I'll be posting most of my newer stuff. My online presence isn't great, but you'll find me in different spots, uh, YouTube here and there. Um, I post on my Instagram. Uh, that's Joe M. Kennedy as well. And then sketches and stuff like that I tend to post on my DeviantArt page, which was also Joe M. Kennedy. So uh, you can find me in different spots all over the internet for that. And uh, upcoming, uh, I'm doing WonderCon in Anaheim, California. Uh, so I'll have an Art Sally table there and like new artwork that I'm kind of working on uh, for myself. A lot of like inked pages and uh, inked illustrations I'll be uh, displaying there and posting over time after the show. Oh, that's fantastic. That's one of my favorite things to do when I go to comic uh, book conventions. conventions. I'm going to C2E2 uh, next oh, month, awesome. and I love to meet the artists and uh, writers that make stuff that I love. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's definitely on my short list. I think my goal for is to do uh, WonderCon, Comic-Con, and uh, Gen Con 
uh, coming up for the year. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on, Joe. This has been a pleasure. I loved uh, your, your approach to what you do, and I cannot wait to see what you do next. Obviously, we didn't ask you what is coming down the pike, but I'm very excited to see whatever it is that you're doing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we don't want to get, uh, we don't want to get you sacked by uh, marketing and uh, your publicity. <laughs> they all have knives, by the way, they really do. They're going to come right at you. No problem. <laughs> that was a mistake giving them to them. Right. I know. You should yeah. have done that. Yeah. No, no. That's where you have to get one of those 3d modelers to print you a big axe. You said they come at you with a knife. And you're just like, Oh yeah, come on. Yeah. Well, you can follow us at T-Oxtra and at The Canardium, at Secret Friends You on Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook group and a page for the podcast. Uh, or we have, And we also have a hotline, 872-225-2496. Leave a short message, and uh, we want to hear from you in regards to your, your reviews, your takes, or your opinions on what's happening in the world of video games. So that is it, folks. As always, co-op mode. It's always better to game together.
not know. Boy.